listening to the Big Cast, four dudes talking about rock, heavy metal, and everything in between. Yeah! What's going on, everybody? This is Rocco Cortez. Mikey Vengeance. Whoa. <laughs> Alex Gates. Where are we going with this? I don't know. I don't know. Rocco Shadows. Rocco Shadows. That'd be cool. It, wow. is, it sounds good, right? Mikey Vengeance? Mikey Vengeance. It does. Mikey I like Vengeance. It. I like it. And I guess I'm Alex Gates. Fuck. <laughs> Alex Gay. That Gay. Name, that name is pen pending. There's a we got copyrights on it. TM. <laughs> Mikey. Oh, man. Well, we uh, Just real quick, we want to get to uh, what we got going on because we got a long interview ahead of you. Hell yeah. Uh, we were very lucky to interview Mike from Darkest Hour. Mike Schleibam. Mike Schleibam. He gave us a lot of his time. We really appreciate that. Uh, what else? What else to talk about? Mikey. I mean, like, so the dude is, so we already did the interview. Um, but I know we're doing the introduction right now, but the dude is straight up, like, he he just I mean he you could tell the guy is just a fan a fan of his fans yeah that's what I got from it and the guy didn't hold back on letting, on answering questions uh, again thank you for his time because the dude just gave us a whole hour of an interview which he didn't have to and the guy literally all I did was fucking send him a message on Instagram and he was down for it right away um, so yeah I mean I hope you enjoy it. Really listen into it because the dude the dude goes down into he goes the, he gets in depth he gets in depth with about the, the history of the about Darkest and Hour and if you guys have not checked out Darkest Hour you need to go out and check them out and start with their start with the beginning of the discography because you don't get the real feel of Darkest Hour until you know where they started from and where they're at now so definitely go check them out after you hear this interview or before it's up to you whatever whatever you want man Mikey Vinges doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> for sure and i mean you can tell that you know what i mean he's he just has a lot of respects for you know a lot of respect for his fans if he's able to give you an hour of his time without fuck you you know asking for anything in return yeah. just a little bit of promotion yeah. for his band and shit like that so it's a long interview it so is. we'll keep our end of the the segment here very short mm -hmm. yeah i think that's it okay right on so here's mike from darkest hour boom do it later well, we're fucking really lucky to have Darkest Hour Mike on the podcast today. What's up, man? What is happening, digital people? How you doing? This is how, this is how we do our podcast now these days with the quarantine going on and whatnot. Yeah. It's been kind man, of strange. Man, you got to do what you got to do. Definitely. You know, we're all out here trying new shit. I'm learning a new video editing program and some other bullshit every day. Uh, it's crazy, but you know, we got to keep our head straight because a lot of other people have real shit to complain about. So, you know, Very we have to we have we can scream through iPhone headphones at each other, but either way, <laughs> how's it uh, how's it been over in uh, in your neck of the woods, dude? We're over here in Texas, and uh, supposedly shit's supposed to open up on Friday, but we'll see. I don't know. Well, you guys are, you know, I have a buddy in Texas who's in the band. He lives in Houston. Uh, man, I fucking missed the food over there. Shit. <laughs> so jealous. Oh, man, I want to go back. You guys are in San Antonio, right? We are, yes, man. Man, it's fucking beautiful down there. Shit. <laughs> yes, uh, it is. <laughs> well, I love it. I'm here in Washington, D.C. Well, I love it. I'm on the outskirts of Maryland, and uh, it's beautiful where I live, too. I mean, we don't have the great... Mexican food that you, you know, Tex-Mex that you have, we have uh, a lot more Peruvian shit. We have food from all over the world, but it's awesome. It's a cool place, and I like the vibe of where I live. But we're taking it real seriously up here. Like Maryland, Marylanders are like wearing masks, staying at home, and shit is just over for yeah. a while here. You yeah. know, and my buddies in Texas are like. Fuck it, we're going to the bar. And, like, oh, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I also have buddies in Texas who uh, are work for the band. You know, we have some road crew that also lives in Houston, and they are not going out because they also live around people that are up around these, uh, you know, kind of danger zones and stuff. And you yeah. know, I, I respect that. I mean, I, I can, I got to tell you, I see both sides because I'm surrounded by. <clears throat> we're really like a hippy dippy liberal area, which I feel very at home in. But <laughs> I also appreciate people being like, you know, fuck it, like I cannot do this forever. Right. And I mean, 
if this is the end of my life, like sitting, I mean, I have a beautiful house and I'm quarantined with my family. It's great. But, you know, at some point I can understand people's urge just to be like, ah, but hasn't even been that long yet. And, uh, yeah. you know, I keep watching the number of people dying. So, I mean, I'm in, trying to do as much stuff like this, like reach out and learn how to do, uh, we're doing a digital live concert on next week. You know, we're like trying all sorts of things because it's clear that a show where people mosh and fall into each other is not happening like <laughs> yeah. anytime soon. So we got to try to do our best to make that happen again because yeah. I can't live without mosh pits. It's <laughs> fucked up. So that, I mean, that was one question we were going to get into was, um, I think it's a, isn't it Metal Injection that's doing that virtual concert that's going on? Yes, and we've been working with them. They're buddies from a long time ago. And, you know, the one thing about Darkest Hour that doesn't present is that uh, we we actually, like, are real geeky into gear. Like, okay. I mean, we're into weed, alcohol, <laughs> riffs, like Black Sabbath Slayer. But then, you know, down the list is actually uh, this geeky technology shit. So he asked my buddy, the guys from Metal Injection asked my buddies in Pig Destroyer, if they would do a live set, and they are not, they're like the opposite. And but God bless them, they, you know, Satan bless them, whatever they are. <laughs> they're, 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 they're they're their own beast, you know. And uh, but they they couldn't do it. But Blake, the singer, he and I have another band, and so he hit me up. And he was like, "Dude, you guys want to do this?" And I I was like, "Yeah, this is perfect for us." So yeah, um, we put together a short set, and everybody kind of we work together to film it and we're lucky because our drummer Travis has a really awesome home studio. Yeah. I have a beautiful home studio. I mean like I can live here. That's not a problem. Like I'm pretty lucky. It's just I I you know, there's nothing that fills fills that hole of like playing music with people. Yeah. I mean, I might be able to get by with now shows if I can be able to jam with the band, but this whole, like, having to do everything on the internet is really hard, so I, I kind of gravitate away to it, away from it, but we as a band have been, like, using all the shit now, Loom, and uh, jamming over the shit, and it's crazy, because we all live in different states, and we never tried this shit before, you know? It's like, like a, it's like adapt fly, and overcome. We fly people, what's that? It's like adapt and overcome type thing. Yeah, well, that's what we've always done. But the interesting thing is about it is that we, you know, we all live in a different state anyway. So we've always, like, on, off again, and shit over email because it's sort of like, it's just fire. And then I, like, when we get together, everybody's super into it and we come up with the great ideas. We don't work well with, like, emailing ideas and shit like that. And so we've had to embrace it all now. And it's crazy how much of it worked. And we're like, shit. You know how much money we could have saved? Crazy. <laughs> but it's not the same. You know, I love to see all the guys on the call or when we jam over online and stuff, but it's really fun to see people again. And like I was saying, I gravitate away from doing this digital shit because I'm a real people person. Yeah. Like a close talking, drunk, loud, you know, Texan, but I'm not from Texas in any way. You know <laughs> what I mean? Type dude. Yeah. And. Yeah. But every time I do engage, it's fun. And I'm like, I walk away going like, okay, that was cool. I mean, it wasn't the fill of being at a show and like talking to people at the bar, hearing a band, seeing some shit. Doing some, I mean, man, that adventure is not, you know, it's not the same. So I think the digital thing will be fun. I think it will fill a hole. It will give a chance a lot of people to be interactive, yeah. which is good. But, uh, you know, is it going to be better than Darkest Hour where you smell us? No, <laughs> no, no. Well, we'll take what we can get for the time being, man. If I that's mean, all we can get, we'll, we're okay with it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Go for it, Mikey. Uh, let's see what we got on here. I know we got some questions going up here. So I know we were talking about we were talking about that metal injection, uh, the concert that's going on with that. Um, I don't know, like what's what's some of the things I guess because I know for us. I myself have, I mean, going back to like just talking about like the bars, missing being at a bar. I mean, I never thought I would actually miss somebody saying like last call, but definitely that's something that I'm missing. Um, I mean, what are some of the things that you're missing when it comes to like the live shows, the live sets and everything like that? 
Well, I mean, you know, I mean, for me, on a, I, I, I mean, it, I, first I would like to preface with, you know, it's hard for me to complain about anything. I'm pretty fucking lucky. So, I got you. Really, I can't, I, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on the shit that I feel negative about, but if I had to harp down on the things that I miss, you know, mm-hmm. I definitely miss being, like, uh, in a room, like, playing, like, it seems to, like, be like, why wouldn't it be the same if there's a digital video right here and there's no lag time? And But it's really not, you know? And I, and you start to realize you miss the presence of people, and so... Yeah. I think that's... I miss that, and... I'm, I've never really been a guy in a band who, like, hides backstage. Although, I mean, now that I'm older and shit's a little different. Like, I don't tend to, like, mingle as much as I as I used to. I mean, shit, when I was a kid and it was, like, hardcore shows, I would just be, I would meet everybody at the show. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, there just is no way for that to happen. And I don't know. It's uh, to, to put it into perspective, like, this is sort of like the Game of Thrones moment where the drag came in, the dragon came in and just torched everything. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. It's like over, like shit. Like, we, you know, the whole thing's over that we thought. Like the whole music industry, everything was important. And now everything stopped and we don't know what's going to happen again. So it's like uh, hard to imagine some of those things that we love so much coming back. But yeah, I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't have been able to tell you, like, we just did a tour in January. I'm sure I took a lot of shit for granted then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. just you never, you never know until you don't have it. Like, exactly. But I'm, I'm generally a person who's grateful about being able to tour and do this shit. And again, yeah, like I miss playing. I miss going to different cities, eating different foods, bullshitting with different people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Think, think about this. You can't pass a motherfucking joint. Like, <laughs> it's never going to be the same after this, man. You'll win. You can't puff puff pass on the nope. Zoom. Think about this. That's fine because now you got me and you're cool. Like, you don't have to share. But that isn't the spirit of a joint. So, isn't that? It's like weird to think that that won't happen. And we, uh, you know. Back in the day, we discovered that if you take a, a fifth of Jack Daniels, you can divide it up evenly into six water bottles because we had six alcoholics who always got only one fifth of Jack Daniels. Yeah. And <laughs> we used to think that was a trick that we knew because we were alcoholics. But now, you can't share a bottle anymore, you know? Yeah. Like, when we're backstage and we are partying, dudes share bottles, everybody's smoking joint, people are hitting a volcano or a bong or some crazy shit and you know there's just so much communal stuff that we did in January that you think about now and you're like oh my god <laughs> we used to just take people's fucking beers I mean there are photos recently of the last tour where guys in the band are taking people in the audience with beers out of their hands and drinking them and giving them back to them I mean, <laughs> <laughs> No, man, that's a, I mean, I, cause I, I mean, I asked that because definitely like you were talking about how you like to be out there with all, with the audience and everything. And I mean, I even have, dude, I've got pictures from like, I want to say has to be 2004, maybe 2003 when I was like 17 or 18. And it was the first time that I saw you guys at the rabbit. And I was there with one of my buddies, Sam, and I remember walking around and I literally just ran into uh, Paul, the uh, old bass player. Yeah. Yeah, I ran into Paul, and I just looked at him. And I was just like, I'm pretty sure you're in Darkest Hour or something. He was like, uh, no, I'm not. I like, he said something like that. <laughs> but he like, and I'm like, no, nah, I, think, I think you are. And, he's like, and then I like ended up taking a picture with him, Ryan. And I do, I'm pretty sure I got a picture with you. I can't remember, but I definitely got like, it was one of those things like the first time like as impressionable as I was at 17 and 18 and figuring out like the metal shows and the thing, and like actually experiencing like that type of thrash metal like that thrashy like very much close in contact like I got pictures of you 
coming up to the end of the stage and like you're just fucking i mean going off same thing bringing the tom to the front of us and us being able to bang on the tom and everything and i mean like that right there was what really got me into like going getting i mean to be honest with you, that's what set up my whole metal like persona and like when i started playing in bands it's exactly what i try to copycat like i as, as much as i like to say that i did copycat some of your moves we do have a picture <laughs> we do have a picture of us pulling off the pyramid while we were on stage nice. yep yep totally well, got totally well, got that from y'all <laughs> well first first of all like i appreciate that man that's awesome yeah uh, man did i, I want to before i can so did I say I wasn't in Darkest Hour, or did Paul say he wasn't in Darkest Hour? No, no, it was Paul. Yeah, yeah, because normally I'm like, yes, because I would, I think it's weird <laughs> to be like, to make someone feel weird at all or uncomfortable who's approaching you that might be a fan. Yeah, yeah. I'm like a fan, I'm a fan of like a lot of music, like I'm a loud, typically drunk, crazy, excited <laughs> person. And so when I see someone I'm excited about, I get stupid. So I appreciate people that do that to me, you know? And, yeah. and it's funny because I, when people get embarrassed because of it, and it happens sometimes. I mean, I, that sounds weird to be saying, but, you know, fame is, is, is all arbitrary. So some people are freaking out, and it's always kind of endearing. You're like, it's cool. Like, I'm like you. Like, and uh, I, I, love, uh, I love the White Rabbit, man. We've had so many awesome fucking shows there yeah like like legendary pool parties after that shit i mean it, you know it was when you look back on it there's a lot of shit that was lawless and fucked up i mean they always had the like local bands all playing in the side room and all the shit going on and yeah it was like why was all that happening but at the same time it was cool and uh those are great shows I don't know how well it sounded out there out front now that i'm older i mean i'm not <laughs> sure about that system but man, everybody in San Antonio always has the energy. And I hate to play like House of Blueses and like nice fucking venues where you look down at the floor and it's all fucking buffered oh, yeah. hardwood. I mean, I, it's not that I love that white rabbit fucking mural thing we had to cover up with our backdrop every time or anything. Yeah. Or that back, that fucking parking lot that I ended up eating most of my meals in and just hanging out in most of the time, <laughs> that back parking lot. A lot of stories but in that I back love, parking lot. But I remember, like, meeting so many people, having so much fun, have, having so many, like, really old friends in San Antonio. Like, we would come. I swear there was a bar that we used to go to, like, a metal karaoke thing sometimes at. Well, I remember we had a day off. We went to around the White Rabbit. There was that huge music store that you could walk to from the White Rabbit. Uh, crazy, yeah, crazy Cats or Alamo Music Center, one of those two. It was Crazy Cats. Crazy, crazy, cats, crazy right cats, yeah. Crazy Cats, yeah. yeah. And then there was like that barbecue place. Uh, oh, God, what is the name of that place? Uh, right next door. I swear to God. Augie's? There was some shit where you you walked across the street and it was like barbecue or some shit, man. You smell that shit. Yeah, that's a... Uh, God, I cannot remember the name of that place. I don't think it's there anymore. Oh, it's anymore. not there anymore. Yeah, it's I know not what there. Talking about. Yeah, it's not there anymore. Yeah, that place was good. But, of course, of course, none of the good shit's there anymore. But, man, but, I, uh, I always will remember that and uh, that's cool. I'm glad, like, I'm proud of the... One thing about Darkest Hour that I'm proud of is that we we're able to take this idea from these like punk and like hardcore shows where the idea of someone being like really hard, like I'm, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus and it's just the way they roll, but like European metal bands, they hold like a different vibe sometimes about the way fans are. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of, some American bands do this way too. I mean, and, and in some ways fans like it because they want to meet someone that's incredible. They don't want to meet an average person. I mean, but at the same time, it's cool to be able to connect with someone on a regular level and then be like, whoa, that person like wrote the song that I listen to all the time. Or yeah. that person was an impetus for a party that me and my friends do, went to over and over again because Darkest Hour shows are our cultural. Like, we play a lot of these small clubs. We play... With a lot of local bands we play in a lot of the same places and we've been going back there so it becomes tied in with like people meeting friends and like 
their fucking whatever senior year of college or some shit and they yeah. always come back and tell you about it and that's cool like mm-hmm. I feel that same way about bands that I like too so man we always we always love the rabbit dude yeah R.I.P. Um, could definitely uh, attest I mean, to that I think last time that I saw you guys uh was when you guys were doing the Undoing Ruin tour, which was maybe not the actual tour when the album came out, but the uh, the ten uh, year anniversary was it? Perhaps this was maybe yeah. Well, it was our twentieth. It was our twentieth anniversary. Was it Dead Fall? Yes, it was. Yeah. Where the fuck did we play? Was that with the yeah? So the, uh, we were talking the about the rabbit. Band? So you guys played at the Corova, man, and the entire time, me and my good friend Drew, we went to go see you guys. Uh, beautiful, by the way. Very nostalgic. We love Undoing Ruin and everything else you guys have done. But that album in particular for us, that's like, you know, the quintessential Darkest Hour record. And yeah. just seeing you guys play that from front to back was fucking amazing. But the entire time, we were just like, man, we wish that this was happening at the Rabbit right now. You yeah, because Corova sucked. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Corova didn't do you guys the justice, in my opinion, that the well, White Rabbit would have done. Well, if you guys, like, the real truth is that a lot of the magic that happened at the White Rabbit had to do with whoever was promoting the the music. Yeah. Like, even though I didn't like the way they added local bands all over the place, and it was a fucking pain in the ass to get things you agreed to, and the money thing was crazy. I mean, now that I'm older, I realize, like, dude, that was like a fucking small business. They had so much shit going on. They had so many bands ripping them off, coming in, taking too much money, and they had guarantees. And that made things crazy and, you know, running a bar and a nightclub hard. So, but either way, there was a moment where they, there was a connection. And then when we, when you change venues and things like that and change promoters, then the vibe changes, but then also everyone's older. So everything is going to be a little bit different, you know, and especially when we're playing albums as long as you remember, it's sort of hard to not have that feeling, you know, but, but we could have just said like, Fuck it. We're going to get paid 30 grand to play Undoing Ruin once somewhere, and whoever wants to come can play $125 and whatever. But instead, we decided to just, like, go fuck it. We'll go to, like, you know, I'll go to San Antonio. Like, it's not like I didn't know it was going to be kind of shitty. I mean, they sent us pictures, you know, <laughs> yeah. they sent us the sound effects. Kind of knew what we were going into. Kind of just, kind of just trying to make the best of it because you know this is what we got. Yeah. And yeah, shit wasn't the energy of the White Rabbit, you know. And what sucks about all of it is probably I guarantee we played fucking eighty thousand times better than we did back in the day. So whatever. Yeah. Anyway. You guys were on point. And the cool uh, thing is that. I can but attest I to the you. humbleness of you guys because, I mean, as soon as you guys finished the set, the first thing y'all did was put down the instruments and come hang. You guys went out in the crowd and started hanging out with everybody, man, so that was really cool to see as well. Dude, we had to get rid of those fucking drink tickets. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we had to fucking spend those drink tickets because that shit was almost over. And you know what my favorite part about that spot is the, where, where me and Travis warm up, okay, at the Grova, that's what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, so there's like on the on the back, there's this corner of the building where all the cars park, right. the vans and the trailers and shit. Well, me and Travis, we always go right by the dumpster, right? There's two dumpsters. You go in the middle, and it's cool because people come back there to pee a lot. So you just got to kind of make sure you're not in the area where people are going to piss. You want to make your own little area where you can warm up. And so we always like to warm up like right by the fucking dumpster where people aren't peeing, but they don't know what's happening. And that's me and Travis's spot, and it's fucking hilarious because we fucking hang out at the dumpster, dude. <laughs> I spent yeah. more time by the dumpster at that club because there's no fucking backstage or there's anywhere to go <laughs> that I know yeah. that's my spot. Yo, put me by the fucking dumpster. Yeah. But <laughs> it's like being a method actor because, you know, we always stay at some pretty big hotels. You know, we got apps. We got... We got shit. We got we got uh, Marriott five stars. You know what I mean. I'm gonna get that Kurt conditioner later. So if I gotta go put on a if I gotta go put on a heavy metal concert, I wanna just like I wanna smoke a joint and do a couple rips of Jack by that dumpster real quick, and then 
you know, I had to pee right there because I was going <laughs> back to the bathroom and then we'll go play. I mean, that sort of puts me in the mood to do what I have to do and be sort of like savage about it. Yeah. Because that's how I want it to be. I mean, the bands, the, the eras that I saw, some of the bands that I fell in love with, you know, Pantera, Sepultura, uh, Metallica, some extent, you know, Megadeth, like, they are nowhere, it's like Disney World now. They're not uh, dangerous in the same way. And I don't blame them because what's dangerous anymore? I mean, no, nobody can even have a show because of the diseases. But <laughs> back before the end time, you just wanted to make sure you could just smell a little bit like the dumpster when you got up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's something nostalgic about the sketchiness of a lot of the venues, especially like when, because we played at the White Rabbit when we were up and coming with our stuff, and it's a, it's the same way. Like I, I miss that whole. All right, we did our sound check in front of everybody. And now we're just gonna go stand in the parking lot in the back until they say it's time for us to play, and you miss those days, like big time. So I'm like, I, I completely. I mean, I don't. Was That's that? not one of the moments I missed. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got uh, you. Cause, you know, sound checking in front of people is my worst nightmare. But, <laughs> uh, I know what you mean. You know, the thing is about being in a band, and this is what I tell bands that I like some, when I'm producing them and I'm not like, like loud to be. Because in Darkest Hour, I'm allowed to be this really loud, asshole, crazy, or like whatever I want to be. And then any other band that I'm in, I have to fit into a little bit of a mold because there's other people that are trying to be loud the way I am loud. The thing about Darkest Hour is John Henry has always been there and he's super fucking loud and crazy, you know? Yeah. So we have a good balance of, of crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I think I think that sort of helped us learn, like, like whatever. Anyway, my point is when I'm not allowed to be those guys and I have to tell people what I really think, and think about it, I tell them that being in a band really is about the time that you spend at the Circle K or the Flying J or whatever truck stop, you know, the Sinclair, and you got to get gas and you have 20 minutes and you guys all eat together and you ha- and you talk and some shit happens like a scene in a Quentin Tarantino movie and you get back in the van. I mean, that's being in a band as much as being on stage. And the thing is, it's easy to miss the on stage shit because that's what everybody gets. But the hard part is that the other thing that's missing when you can't put your finger on it is that like being in a band is also about those times when you're sort of have that locker room moment moment. And nobody in the band is really the general, like everybody is like this beautiful anarchy where like, even though I, when it's time for the show to happen, you know, John picked the set list and Travis has put together the way the show's going to flow so he can nail it. And me and Tito have worked out how it's going to look and maybe some fun shit. And then also Lone Star and I and Deal have, you know, talked about how we don't give a fuck about anything. We do whatever we want. Yeah. And it all just makes a nick. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of like, you know, it's cool when you have a lot of loud people, a fucking gang, you know, and that's what you miss too when you're not, when you don't have it. And it's like, that isn't being on stage or playing. It doesn't have anything to even do with me, yeah. you know? And that's just like being in the parking lot right before you have to go play because a lot of those memories are of shitty things of being stuck at a truck stop, of being wherever, but that's, those things become cool because that's the time you have, you know? Yeah. So, and that's true for every band, dude. That's like from Black Sabbath, Lamb of God, down to fucking Dark Tower, down to any local band. Like, everybody shares those weird experiences as a band, you know? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. So, I already, I mean, I always kind of knew, I've had a lot of questions in my mind that I would probably, if I ever got the chance to ask you or anybody from darkest hour and i know like one of the biggest ones that i've always had in my mind was because at the time when you went from sadist nation to undoing ruin it was a big it was a big change for me um when i when it came to like seeing your style 
uh, I was always interested in wanting to find out like what what was like the spark to help change from like from what you did with Sadist Nation going into Undoing Ruin. Like, was it the fact that because uh, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but Devin Townsend didn't did he produce Undoing Ruin? Hell yeah! Hell yeah! He <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't know if I was if I was you know right about that one, but I mean, like, what, what I mean, what inspired that that change that y'all did from that time from that time from the Sadist Nation to Undo and Ruin? All right, well, this is, a, this is a good question, but it's gonna mean another Heineken, and also you gotta <laughs> understand that the uh, the order is Devin Townsend produced Deliver Us and Undoing Ruin. Right. Okay. And he, 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 you know, was undoing them before Deliver Us, but those are the two albums. There's a boy on the cover of one, there's a girl on the other. Mm-hmm. They're sort of like brother sister album, sort of the same approach. And yes, there's a lot of Devin. I mean, it's like, it's dripping with Devin. It's so much Devin in there that it, we're lucky that we're, we're fucking been blessed, been touched by the hand of God. He just went, oh, hey, you know what you do? Hey, what if it was boo sick fuck? And then you like that's it. Then after the, after deliver us, he's like, dude, I'm never fucking doing that again. Fuck you guys. You know that was hard to do and doing ruin. That was impossible to deliver us. You guys are all insane, uh, and I don't want to produce anything. I'm only doing me. I love my art, and you know, yeah, I love him for that. But the spark, the Devin Townsend was the uh, fuel, but the Spark was Ozfest. Okay. 2004 Ozfest. Now, if you want to back up some, okay, so I'm the sole songwriter as far as riff song structure. It's like we write at that up to that point as a Metallica, where you have like James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich. So me and Ryan would be like, tell everybody to go fuck off. And we would, like, write some shit, and then everyone would argue about it. People would get involved, and then it would become a song. But there would be this, like, one linear line of guitar ripping all the way through. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then also, we had no idea what a click track was. We had never recorded (laughs) onto a computer until Thetis Nation. But the way we recorded onto a computer on Thetis Nation was we were so resistant to change because we were very loud and because Ryan at the time... He, he was, like, resistant to do anything he wasn't used to doing, right? Yeah. So when we did Theta Station, we didn't do a click track. Everything's kind of wild. The Swedes were a little confused by that. But, but it ended up being really good knit. And then what happened was Chris, who was the second guitar player, came along. He was like, yeah, this shit's sick, but what if you, like, harmonize everything, you know? And he was able to take what I had been doing, like, on So Sedated to Mark of the Judas, with Fred, who was the other guitar player, who basically is, is a really good friend of mine, but he, like, is the same mindset as me. Mm-hmm. So even when he had ideas, they would blend so much into mine, it seemed like that whole thing. So yeah. uh, Chris enters the band. We start writing. He feels like, ah, it's not my band. So I don't even want to be here. Like, I just want to go on tour, you know? So he just does whatever we tell him. But he's a really talented guy, so he can't help when no one else is around but me and him, does he, you know, to be like, hey, man, like, you got to, like, change his chord to go to this so that you can make the harmony this so we can... So then he gets his influence in there, and then also him and Ryan had this chemistry, so that was the whole thing. Yeah. Then we go on Ozfest. We go on the biggest tour of our lives. I mean, we're fucking talking. Black Sabbath with Bill Ward, Tony Iommi, mm-hmm. you know, Tony Iommi, fucking Ozzy Osbourne, Heather Butler. Then you have Judas Priest with the fucking painkiller lineup. K.K. Downing's there, the whole fucking thing. Then you have Slayer with Dave Lombardo yep. and Jeff Hanneman. He's still alive. Yep. Then you have Denny Borgir. Then you have Super Joint Ritual, then who was just entertaining for a whole other set of reasons. Then you have Black Label Society, <laughs> who was sick to just watch Zach Wilde solo. Yeah. And then Slipknot, then Hatebreed, then Lamb of God, then Darkest Hour, then Unearth, then Every Time I Die, then Throwdown, then Atreyu. Yep. I mean, this this tour was wow. insane. Dude, that was that was honestly um, that 
Ozfest because I I went to like almost every Ozfest when it came through San Antonio, and that probably was like nah, my top nah, one. Nah, this was it. Come on, it dude, was, it's fucking free. now. Yeah. When they did the thing with when they did the thing with Iron Maiden though, yeah, and then Mastodon was on that shit, the Swedish Invasion, yeah, yeah, that year, and then also the year where Killswitch Engage became popular and Shadows Ball that whole yep. year was yeah. good, but. We're talking Black Sabbath, I mean, Judas Priest, him. and Slayer. Yeah, bleeding know. through. Like, I mean, at that time, like those bands that, including with Darkest Hour, like it was almost there was not a band on that lineup the whole fucking day that I did not want to watch, and it sucked. So, so we did that. We we did that tour, and we became a business. We became an LLC. We we were like a real band. I mean, we had been robbed on tour with uh when we were on tour with the Treyu, yeah, before before that, we were robbed of ten grand because we didn't have anywhere to put money. Dude, we were driving around with like this fucking box, merch box full of dollar bills, ones and fives and tens we collected at shows. We had no bank account we could put it in. I mean, I'm telling you, it had at least ten thousand dollars plus. We called it the meat bag, and we would put it everywhere. I'll fucking never remember. I'll never forget when fucking Al screamed at me like, "Meat bag gone." No <laughs> oh, meat sure. bag. God damn. But uh, we we had been through a lot, and then we did we did Ozfest, and it was like, "Well, we're we're like uh, we have no insurance, and uh, look how much money, and look at look at this, we suck." Like I'm, you know, I don't think that we suck, you know, because art is art. But I'm saying internally as artists, our viewpoint was we are not doing this that well. Yeah. <laughs> because look at what's happening. Okay. I'm, I mean, so <clears throat> then we had to go back and try to change and become something else. And at the same time, ran into Devin Townsend, who had a lot to produce, prove as a producer and was a very talented dude. And I was hungry. And this is really not going to make a lot of sense to people because it's sort of the opposite that people do when they're in a band. I mean, and people think, people think when you start a band, you know, that the whole idea is to be in control. But they don't understand that when you start a band, the whole idea is how do you get people to also love it as much as you do, so you're not the only one who wants to be in control, right? Yeah. Like, you, you want people to love it, you don't want to be the only guy in charge of everything with a bunch of little pawns you're moving around. I promise you that that sucks. So, like, you know, uh, like, I I wanted to, like, I wanted Chris to write some songs that were different than what I was doing, and I wanted Ryan to play some different drum beats, and I wanted John to, like, sing. And, I mean, I'm not saying I was the one who pushed everyone. I'm saying together we wanted to try different shit because we had just gone on tour with motherfucking... Slayer, Judas Priest, Black Sabbath, and all those other bands. Yeah. And how can you not be inspired by that to want to be like, fuck. And so then you get on doing Ruin, which is a, is a, is a great album, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, then what happened was we had to try to figure out how are you going to make an album better than that? So you got to live for us, which is what we tried to do. And then after that, you got the Eternal Return, which is a bunch of guys in a band going, fuck you, like, we do not want to do what everyone expects us to do, and doing Deliver Us was so hard, we don't want to do Deliver Us 3 and just be, like, you know, we don't want this to be work, we want it to be fun, and so then you get the shift, and when you look at the albums on the timeline, sometimes they don't seem that different, but when you were living them, from album to album, the sound and the style was like drastic. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, so, I, I can, I can the see end. the difference with it. What's that? As I, I can see like the, the changes with all of it as well. Like what you're, what you're going, what you're saying, like the difference in feels in every album, you can kind you can definitely kind of see that difference in feels with it. But now I'm grateful. I'm grateful because now we have like albums that are different, you know. Yeah, definitely. And in different vibes and shit, you know. I mean, man, it's hard, dude. Working on album ten, and uh, you know, the internal 
uh, moniker, you know, the internal voice right now is surprise me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I know that makes no sense. Like, fuck it, like, album 10, no. Are we supposed to just do, like, I don't know, you know, Undoing Ruin, why not? That's what you think of the band, or Theta Station, or Mark of the Judas, or, you know, no, we want to do some shit where you're like, what? But at the same time, it sounds like Darkest Hour, because we want to tap into that place that's young, that still loves metal. Yeah. And still, like, when you have imagination... And you do something, it can still slam. I mean, it can still crash, but it doesn't have to crash or be melodic in the same way that the other albums were. Because I think the way that you celebrate the albums that you like, that you did, is by not trying to copy them, but just trying to do something better in a way that, you know, surprises people so they pay fucking attention. Because that's hard to do right now. Yeah. No, I mean, and seriously, like, like you just said it, like when it came to the eternal return, um, I I wouldn't say I got that vibe, but you kind of just put it in there, saying how you were just like fuck you, we're gonna do what we want to play, you know, we're we're tired because deliver us kind of just tired us out and whatnot. But I mean, when you came out with the human romance, like to me that was also like another revamp to uh, when it came to when it came to like like you just said. You don't copy what you just did on the last album. You try to reinvent what you are as Darkest Hour. And I, and in my well, mind, well, was that? Yeah. Well, the whole thing with the human romance was, so the Eternal Return, the Eternal Return will always be a special album to me because it never had a shot from the beginning, dude. I got the you. The Eternal Return was the fucking, uh, was doomed because Victory didn't want to let it succeed. Uh, and the truth is, how many albums have we done on Victory Records? I mean, five, you know? Yeah. And they wanted us to resign. We didn't want to resign. So we knew that they weren't going to do, they were going to play ball the way they had on Undoing Ruin. I mean, that was synergy. So, of course, you know, what we did was we were like, okay, well, we're not going to give you anything to work with. We're just going to give you what we do best. You're going to have a Darkest Hour album, and then we can go do whatever we want, you know? And so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, like, so vicious as it might sound, but it's, I'm just trying to make it as simple as possible so people understand, like, that had a lot to do with it. Like, we weren't going to go make a radio hit on an album that somebody wasn't going to shop the radio with a modic death metal band, yeah. you know? So uh, we went for a more, like, Pantera-y, shreddy, dark, you know, bleak, just, just, uh, always making the mistakes over and over again, just circling down the drain kind of vibe. Cause that's where we were at. Yeah. It was a fucking tough record. It was a tough time to be living off the band, trying to do this band. It, like knowing the record deal was over, not knowing where the next one was going to come from. And then we got hooked up on the human romance, signed to E1, the major label, had a shit ton of money. And we were like, okay, we have all this money. We're going to go get Peter Wickers because we love uh, Swedish death metal. And he's a producer. We love soil work. That worked. Yeah. And he was living in North Carolina. That was too close to where we lived. We were based in. So then that worked. And, uh, you know, the human romance is funny because Peter, he had a lot of influence on the sound of it, but he wasn't, it's not like he wrote a bunch of shit. He just like, we knew that he was going to be involved. Yeah. You no. Know? And his vibe seeped into it. So, uh, that, I think the reason you get love is a weapon, you get favor the kill, you get those kind of songs on that album is because we knew we, we had a shot. But I think what happened with that is with everything like E1, they're kind of just like, they do a lot of bigger stuff, a bunch of other stuff. We only had one record. So it was what it was. And then, we actually signed to Sumerian because we were really good friends with the owner. We had known him since he was a kid. He had put shitloads of money into his record label and a lot of passion. And we were just like, oh, fuck it. You know, everybody hates on him, but fuck that shit. Look at this motherfucker did. Damn. <laughs> now he wants to get behind Darkest Hour. I mean, that's where we always are. Like, we're not always the cool kids in school, even though we are pretty cool. So uh, we <laughs> identified with, like, Ash was trying to do his fucking thing. So we were like, yeah, fuck it. And so 
then, of course, you get an album that is laced with that vibe, and I'm, I think that's good, too. But every time, the label, situation, the time, the album before, they all, they all uh, interact and kind of make the story. And I know that the producer of the first two albums and The Eternal Return, he was always pissed at me that every album was reactionary in some way. Yeah. And I was just always kind of, because he's a really good friend of mine, I've remained friends with all the producers of all the albums. Like, And the dude who did uh, the three of those is a really good friend of mine, and he still lives in Baltimore. We do a band together, too. And he was always, like, pissed. He still is pissed that each album is reactionary. I mean, even on this new shit that we're writing now, I'll occasionally let him listen to it, but I never let him have an opinion anymore because I'm like, you're done. You have three records. <laughs> now you can just tell me whatever you, you tell me whatever you want, but I'm not listening. You know, whatever you tell yeah. me, you're just a fan. But uh, <laughs> it's cool because I, I appreciate that perspective. Where he's like, you should do, you shouldn't, you know, do something that's reactionary to your environment. You should do, you know, make your vision. But you know. Where we see it is everything we do is reactionary to our environment because we've been here for 25 years. And yeah. a lot of other people haven't been in a band that long. So, like, fuck you. When you've been here for 25 years, you can tell us about doing that. Yeah. You know, and, and there are bands that have that perspective, and it's good to talk with them and hear what they've done because nobody came, gave you gave us a rule book and it was like, hey, here's how you do a band. Here's how you, hey, here's how you ride the wave of this weird scene and try to make a career out of it and you're 42 and this is what you do now. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, fuck him, Mike. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are y'all, uh, are y'all writing anything, are y'all writing a new one right now? We have a bunch of new stuff. We currently have a Patreon. It's like a, a internet subscription service where we've done a lot of content. We're doing a lot of interactive shit on there. Because it's a way we can like fund and survive right now. Yeah. But we're also, like, uh... you know, still active on our social media and you know, our people that are involved with our Patreon are hearing a little bit more of what's happening, a little bit more behind the scenes. But we have been working on an album for a long time. We're always writing music, but there always comes a time when it's like, Okay, we really have to figure out what's good because uh, with album 10, we probably have, like, three albums worth of songs. Damn. But we just want it to be good. Yeah. yeah. You know? For those so not familiar. Just, just recently, there's, like, a couple that the vocals all change around. Because that's the other thing, man, people don't know about. We got to make these fucking lyrics and these vocals and this all really mean something and be good and matter and have a voice. And, like, that takes a second, too, to craft that. But just recently, we got two or three that are fucking like, oh, okay, this is here. Here's what it might be. And uh, I'm not saying it's because of the pandemic, but I think that the shift in society that made everybody stop. Like I had a bunch of bands I was producing. I had a bunch of albums I'm also putting out. A bunch of other shit I'm doing on top of Darkest Hour, on top of being the dad. And everything shifted, and now I'm down here in my basement, and all I do is Darkest Hour, because the only thing I do that isn't all that other bullshit that can wait. And then you start to go, oh, whoa, now we're starting to get somewhere. Like, shit, okay. And people start honing it in. And so, yeah, we are working on new stuff. I'm not sure how it comes out, when it comes out, what form it comes out, because I don't know if our tour that we have planned in December of this year happens, but... I do know that the only thing that does matter is that it's as good as it can be because when it does come out, however it does come out, it will be remembered forever. And that's the one thing we've learned. So it better be fucking good. Right on, man. I'm sure. Remember everything. I'm sure it'll be badass, dude. For those of you uh, who don't know what Patreon is, it's kind of like OnlyFans or Chatterbait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just go pick out your favorite girl and and tip them some money. <laughs> Man, it's fu it's funny because like I used to have to explain to people that I'm like, Yo, if you're on this, just type into the Google Patreon, you'll figure it out. Yeah, you'll figure it out. out. It's like everything else. Um, we all have to figure out a new thing every fucking day. But I want to say, it is cool. It is cool, man. Yeah. Because it's 
A to B. It's A to B. And yeah. we've been doing a band for fucking long time. Yeah. And you know what? It's really hard for fans, money, to make it to us. Like, to literally... I remember... I mean, it doesn't happen so much anymore because now people use the card and shows are wired. But I told you about it, like, you know, trash bag full of money. Yeah. Well, I remember the end of tour, dividing the trash bags up of money before dudes had credit cards and bank accounts. Oh, fuck, man. Dude, some of the guys in Dark Tower... When they started, we started doing well. They never even had bank accounts, you know. And so they would like want the money and put them in shoe boxes and shit. <laughs> and I'm telling you, like, when I would have that money at the end of the tour, and it would sit in the box at my house, and I would spend some of it. I I would call them like wrist bucks because it was crazy. Like each one of those bills had come from someone like who bought a shirt or like literally. I was like buying my food with that same build. It was always poetic to me, you know? So yeah. I thought that was cool. And that kind of disappeared. And now, through the Patreon, like, I know motherfuckers' names and addresses now because some of these people have been Patreons for four months and they've gotten, like, two or three physical items and, like, we packed that shit up ourselves. Like, I know where some of these people live now. I'm yeah. starting to know them. That's fucking weird, but... It's also not weird because it's better than Instagram where I don't know anyone. Like someone comes on the Instagram and says, shut up, like just be in a band. Don't say anything about the world around you in any of the songs. And you're like, well, are you even a fan of the band? Like, I don't know. You just <laughs> clicked follow and started saying a bunch of shit. Like, yeah. you know, do you know any of the lyrics? Like, so Patreon just shuffles out people that just won't pay a little bit. But that's just enough for us because it's been hard for us. Like, it, it gets daunting when you have, like, 170,000 Facebook people fucking messaging you and fucking everybody on your Twitter blowing you up. I mean, I don't have time all day to look in the message box of all these things. It takes me a fucking hour and 15 minutes of my day to do all the social media shit. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. yeah. What the Fuck. It's a it, fuck of ad dude. for shit. Like yeah. it drives me fucking crazy. So uh, you know, the Patreon is cool because like money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Like like, oh, uh, I'll write you back. You know why? Because this is helping me pay for shit. This is a fucking risk box, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And uh and trust me, when I uh, my buddies are into dirt bike racing, okay? And Patreon has been around for dirt bikers. My buddy has his Patreon where you'd go on your dirt bike and you'd ride all the trails and he'd map them out and he'd fucking put the videos up online for other dirt bikers. They yeah. could go plan their trips. They could literally watch this guy do the trail. Yeah. Go, okay, well, that's a sick trail. I want to do that. The so people are Patreoning him and he's making money going around around the world. He's like telling his buddy, Yo, you got to get bands on this shit. It's awesome. And then my buddy who's a producer, I mentioned him earlier. He was like, man, you need to like, uh, you know, you need to get on here and really try to monetize off this thing. And like, and, and I always rejected it. And then I started thinking about the end of the year, like, shit, we got to do something. We crowdfunded the album on Indiegogo. That thing was a disaster. It wasn't a disaster. We did it, but it was, didn't make a lot of money. We spent all the money on the album. So, yeah. We're like, we need to do something different. And when I pitched the Patreon to the band, oh, they fought and thought I was crazy. But now, nobody knows how to get anything. So yeah. we were kind of ahead of ahead of the curve. So yeah, we're, we're grateful to have it. Yeah. And we also are releasing uh, exclusive live record, Undoing Ruin, live at the Black Cat. It's basically Undoing Ruin from front to back live. And it sounds thick as fuck. Nice. And it's updated. So it's like, Man, I'm telling you, it sounds like the record, but we played it all live on that thing, and yeah. it's recorded live. And we didn't trick it out that much, but it's cool. It's got a. We, we wouldn't be pressing it on vinyl if it didn't sound pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, we're putting that out through the Patreon. We have a cover seven inch we've never released that you can only get through the Patreon. Uh, you know, we do shit like that, and you know, obviously, we're going to continue to be a, a band outside of this. But right now, when I have nowhere to go. Definitely helping the situation out. Yeah. That's good, man. So, so we got a... 
so we got like a couple little like things that we do on this podcast and one of them being uh we always like to ask any guest and we we did it uh, when we first started it for us as well uh we always like to ask our guests like we all know i mean we're all metal we like heavy metal bands we like thrash man we like all that but we know there's something out there that you probably like that somebody wouldn't expect and we usually call that like a little segment called guilty pleasure so we always ask our guests, like, what's that one guilty pleasure that somebody would never, ever expect you to say that you like? For example, we've had people say some of the most metal motherfuckers that you could probably meet, and they'll like Adele or Lady Gaga or something. <laughs> like. I mean, I mean, like examples like that. How could you not? I mean, can, Billie can, Eilish. Can on. you give us like uh, an example of that? Guilty pleasures. I mean, uh, well, I don't. So I don't feel guilty about like any liking any hip hop or rap. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear anybody follows my T-shirt collection. I love a lot of modern hip hop, a lot of modern. I like old school hip hop, old school rap, but that's not really like uh, embarrassing. Yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, I'm trying to think what is embarrassing. Like, okay, I'll tell you one thing that really pisses people off. Yo, I love all versions of fucking Van Halen. There's All nothing for- wrong with that. <laughs> oh no! Wait, you know what? I fucking hate Van Hagar. Yeah, you're right. Okay, <laughs> that's right. No, no, fuck you. Now, now I hate Van Hagar. <laughs> okay, the red but, rocker but, sucks, but, man. Uh, I'm gonna stand behind that album just to have Eddie and Alice's back. But I'm gonna tell you something. Like I like both those albums. I like both Hagar and Ross. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Sammy Hager, that's a red rocker. You know, Moss Tequila. I'll party with him in Cabo. He fucking kicks it. Cabo Wabo shots. And there's a, reason, there's a reason why Michael Anthony kicks with that motherfucker because Michael Anthony's a cool dude, too. You know? Yeah. So, anyway, I like both versions of Van Halen. I like, uh, trying to think of other shit like that. Well, uh, I actually, um, I'm a big Huey Lewis fan. I don't think that's like, oh, Kenny Loggins. Dude, I love Kenny Loggins. Oh, yeah, Loggins. You might think that's weird. Highway to the danger zone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more a fan of his work on the Caddyshack series. Oh, you know what I mean? I'm all right. Okay, so my favorite thing to do on tour when I can, when I'm like, there's two things that are weird. Like when I'm, when I can get to the bus, like on the tour bus, if you can get to the lounge in the morning before everybody, everybody likes to sleep all the time, you can get some alone time. Yeah. So when I'm in there, I'll listen to a couple of things all the time. Like I like to listen to a yacht rock playlist on uh, <laughs> Shit Spotify. Yeah, dude. So I really like Michael McDonald. He's badass. <laughs> you know? And I also uh, really, really like Johnny Paycheck. Johnny Paycheck is a sick old blue, like a country the star yeah, who man. has like half of the songs are about God and half of the songs are about fucking hookers and the other well yeah. 20% of the songs are about God 20% of the songs are about hookers and 20% of the songs are about being sorry for all that yeah Johnny <laughs> Patrick yeah Johnny Patrick uh, I like Johnny Patrick I don't think that's embarrassing but I think liking country is embarrassing so I kind of lump it in there <laughs> totally yeah well we're from Texas so we kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah hey Mike do you like uh, Wheeler Walker Jr. no <laughs> Just straight up cool. Straight answer I cool. like it Right on Fair enough well, Mike, we've taken up a lot of your time, man. We really, really appreciate oh, shit, you. I just, I just ended the interview, huh? That's no, it. Fuck no. Actually, no, no, no. Oh, no, you no. got one more, no, Mike? No, I got no, a I'm few. Kidding. I got a few questions. I'm fucked with you, dude. Hey, no, I actually, I was just kidding. I, I actually got some. I got some fangirl questions for Uh-oh. you. Actually, I'm, I'm gonna hit you All up. All right, well, you gotta make them fit in a minute. So, what do you got? Fit in a minute. All right, what do you got on a? What do you got? You still got that GNR shirt? Who gave that to Johnny, our sound guy? Uh, but he loved it. You got that one. But I got plenty of dude. Thing is, things <laughs> own you. Yeah. I got so many sick t-shirts. I can't fucking give them all away. I hate shit. All right. So I, I, I've been. I have a constantly purging t-shirt. But man, they always gravitate to me. Man, they get hooked up. Gotcha. Random man. The other day, uh, Eric B and Rakim, uh, fucking original sick ass New York. Street party T-shirt. Somebody just gave that to me. I was like, "What? Oh, for my birthday, people have been sending me random shirts. 
I got a Beyonce, Dave Easter. I got a Megadeth, <laughs> so far so good, so what? I got, uh, fuck, there was one other cool one that someone randomly sent me. What the fuck was it? Uh, um, shit. Yeah, I don't even remember. Oh, Rodney Dangerfield, all over print. Nice. That uh, was yeah, a good one, too. But, because you can get all sorts of shit on the internet. You just type it in and get all over print and everything. But anyway, I don't have the GNR shirt. Ah. That was a good one. Right, it looks uh, good in the video. Uh, Whataburger or In and Out? Yo, you guys are texting. You're going to be pissed off. But fucking definitely In and Out. Uh, uh, come on. I'm sorry. This, this is a story for another one, podcast, but I, I've had a lot of late nights of uh, being out at bars in Texas, and I've eaten at a lot of Whataburgers. And I don't know why they always have like crickets or roaches or whatever in them and it just fucks me up a little bit man so <laughs> oh, i'm man. gonna go with in and out you, you know the we, wrong on the east coast we got five guys yeah yeah we got five guys oh we finally but got I, five guys here texas, too I, if i'm in texas i'm not eating burgers dude to be honest man fair enough There's too much other good shit yo if i'm in san antonio i'm getting it was like motherfucker you get sick shit getting some good sauce on there you know what i mean yeah yeah like but that's because when you're on tour, like, a burger is always a thing you're going to be able to get. But I'm a big in and out fan, so. Gotcha. Fair enough. Fair, fair enough. enough. And uh, I saved this one for last because you'll probably hate me after this question. Um, so the ca- you, you guys did the Capitals theme song, correct? Or not theme song, but they're coming out onto the ice song. We did two We did two Capitals gold scoring songs yeah. that they also used all over the place. Yeah, we did Rock the Red and Let's Go Caps. Uh-huh. And also, no, we did three. We did Unleash the Fury, which was the theme song for the year they won the motherfucking Stanley Cup, dude. Mm. Oh, you know what I'm saying? See, you see, that point is on that one is because I was at a crossroads on that. So I married into a relationship where I became a Pins fan. <laughs> a what? A Kings fan? What? Well, uh, no, uh, no, no, no. Black, black. Nah. Penguins. What's that? Penguins. Oh, Mario Lemieux is a badass dude. When he I was is. a kid, I had, I had a Lemieux jersey, and I'm like, I'm a Cap fan. Like, the thing is, uh, they don't need to be so polarizing because there's cool things about every city. You no, know? yeah, yeah. Cool that Pittsburgh's got Lemieux. You know, it's awesome that the LA team's that dressy. It's yeah. that the Cap has got fucking Ovechkin. It's yeah. good when cities can have that thing. I mean, it's not fun to just. I think it's a missed opportunity to think that only it's fun to only have one city's hockey jersey in your collection. There you go. That's stupid. Yeah. That's stupid. Like, I love the fucking Calgary Flames. When I was a kid, I loved Hawk and Luby. He was this thick, uh, really high goal scoring dude that everybody thought he was going to get 50 goals in a game. He was going to be the next Gretzky. They didn't really pan out, but I loved him. I loved the Calgary Flames. I love the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. Ray Bork, he was on the Bruins. You know, I fucking love the Bruins, but they're a Caps rivalry. Like, it's okay. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, yeah. that's why I always like music over sports was because at the end of the show, everybody could like everybody's band, but it was different in sports because I was, when I was playing hockey, it was so competitive. But, you know, the bad thing is that a lot of people look at music like sports, so... It isn't the same vibe, but you get what I'm saying, dude. Yeah, yeah. There was... I'm, I'm, cool, cool. Yeah. You know, you, you know the, 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 the Panthera Dallas Stars theme song is pretty badass. I'll jam that yeah. forever, and I'm not like a Dallas Stars fan. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not a Dallas Stars fan either, yeah. even though I'm from Texas. But, I mean, I, I married into being a Penguins fan. And I've well, also... good for you. The, the <laughs> Penguins win. And the other thing about another thing about the Cavs is, for us, it's not about it's not really about like some sick thing that people can jam to make them be like, oh fuck, like um, the Cavs. You know, it's more about like beat beat. You know, yeah, this yeah. is like where we're from. This is where we're born and raised. We grew up liking the home team. This, you know, being hated everywhere I go because every president sucks. Everybody thinks people in Washington are fucked up, but it, but also being worshipped. People people love Discord Records and Fugazi and DIY punk, hardcore, amazing music from the city, yeah. amazing food, go go. I mean, Washington D.C. is a fucking awesome place. So, for us, 
for us, it was about repping the city. And there's no place for a metal band to go with a baseball team. Fucking, we to hate football. So they had to get me started about football. And I fucking hate the Redskins. Hate the Redskins. <laughs> you know, like, I'm a, basically a Ravens fan. I don't even like football. Right. But I'll, I'll take Baltimore. I like Baltimore. Love Maryland. So I'd rather wear purple. And the thing is, even though some of us loved RG3, it's just too easy to hate the fucking Redskins. So it's like, but hockey. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a metalhead sport. Dude. It is, man. Like, <laughs> it is like that. It's Wayne's world, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, man, we, that's, that's always been that way. So, but I mean, yeah, I had to always ask that question. It was always my thing because I, when I saw that y'all had done like, you know, they had taken your using your music for their theme song. Like, I thought it was badass. But during that time in the playoffs, when the pins and the caps are going at each other, again, I was at a crossroads because I was like, I love Darkest Hour, but we gotta beat we gotta beat the yeah, caps on this up. one. <laughs> that's fucked up. But, uh, man, fucked don't up. hate the player. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. You know. Fair don't enough. Blame man. it on my mom. Blame it on the street. <laughs> you can't fucking. Well, I mean, hey, Mike. I mean, seriously, I can't thank you enough for doing this, man. Like, you literally. I I think I sent that message to you on Instagram, and you answered back within like probably less than an hour, and it literally shows how much how much you really don't like have that i guess that persona of like you talked about it as like i'm just the same as you as a fan in the sense of we can do these interviews and it's not it, you know some uh, there's some people out there that have never answered me like have never sent anything back when it comes to just being like hey man i just want to talk to you on the phone for a little bit just to hear hear about you and hear things about you but you automatically answered it you answered back every email and it just it shows how much of a real dude you are, man. And that's honestly, I hope when you guys come back to San Antonio, you accept the invite to go to some of the Texas like bars that you probably haven't been to that we can take you to and just have let us buy you some drinks, man. Damn right. No, fuck that. We'll buy you some Mexican food, dude. How about some that? real Mexican food. Some real Mexican food and some <laughs> real some some drinks, man. Take you to some bars and like the invites out there. And next time you guys here in San Antonio. Please, please, we'll hit you up, hit us up, and we will love to fucking party with you, dude. All right, that sounds good. Now listen to me. You gotta just, I know it's illegal down there, but you're gonna have to find your friend who knows a friend who knows a dude who smokes some weed and bring some weed also. <laughs> oh, we got plenty of that, I mean, buddy. Cool. We got plenty you guys want to get some drinks and shit, and you want to go out, it's fine, but you better bring some fucking weed, because uh, we get we, fucked we, up down there in Texas. Oh, no, we you can, gotta watch out for the 5 0. So I don't know how shit is down there, oh, but man, I'm just saying, as somebody always has weed in Texas at the party, so uh, <laughs> we're ready. We can supply it easily. It's not that it ain't as bad as some people probably think out there. It is accessible for Very sure. Accessible. <laughs> you know, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to bring some papers though, man, because we ain't staring at shit. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Hey, hey, yo, you guys keep it real, keep it safe. You know, uh, I mean. I hit you guys back because I'm out here doing doing my hustle, trying to promote the band, and and it's like I'll just do I'll bullshit with anyone. So I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, that are are fans of the band and okay, have have like actually had real shit to talk about, and never know what you're going to get into. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, I got to run because actually it's funny. I got another interview that's like I'm late to because you guys are badass. <laughs> I always stack them on the same day. But uh, anyway, cheers, dude, and uh, cheers, party man. on, man. We we'll appreciate you, man. Right? Thank you. Mike, thanks so much, dude. All right, take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right. Later. I'm out. Later. Later.